G'day, g'day. This is Rita Joy and welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. Today I want to talk about learned helplessness. There's this really intriguing psychological you know, hiccup that happens in our brain called learned helplessness. And I believe that if we're not watchful of it, our brain can somehow, some, in some way, sink into that feeling of being of learning to be helpless. And it, ha it happens in the most subtle of ways. But here's the definition, the strict definition of what learned helplessness is. So learned helplessness is a mindset. It's a mindset that occurs when a person experiences a stressful situation. And then the person learns that after one go, second go trying to overcome the stressful situation, the second try, the third try, it learns whether an animal or a human it learns that it cannot change the situation, so it doesn't even try anymore, even though they're able to or the resources are available, the brain has just learned why even bother. So for example, if you've ever heard about how young elephants get trained, at a very young age, baby elephants have this chain hooked around their leg. And no matter how hard they yank that chain, they can't seem to get it off. And so it trains the animal to be obedient. It trains the animal to stay put. It trains the animal to learn to be helpless. And so as the animal, the elephant grows up and becomes an adult, that same chain, obviously it's grown a bit to fit the size of the leg, but all they need to do is yank that chain once or twice and it's free from being chained up. But the elephant has learned from a young age that it cannot. So it doesn't even try. And that's where learned helplessness comes in. You and I know that that elephant can crush anything. Yet the poor elephant has been conditioned, has been taught over time that as a baby, that if you try and yank it, you can yank it all you want, you're not going to get set free. But the elephant doesn't realize its resource is its strength, its weight, its height, that if it just used that and you could easily yank that chain off, but it doesn't even try because it believes it can't. Now, put yourself in the situation where you have tried to do something and it didn't work out. So for example, you wanted to lose weight. Think of a time when you wanted to lose weight and you couldn't. Think of a time when you wanted to get a new position, finish a degree, uh, start a degree, start a new healthy, healthy eating lifestyle. Anytime you've tried to do something once, twice, and it just didn't work out. And then you just stopped altogether because you thought, what the hell? Like, what's the point? Like, it's just never going to happen. And those things, those thoughts are what's called learned helplessness. So... How, how do you overcome learned helplessness? It's all this about, because when you and I set a goal, whether it's, the goal is to clean the house, whether the goal is to just be organized, whether the goal is to become president, whether the goal is to become, whatever the goal, there's no goal that's insignificant because each goal, each decision that we make builds a muscle, that muscle of habit, the muscle of discipline, the muscle of keeping our word to ourselves, And that's where confidence comes in. That's when confidence builds our, ability and capability to go the next step and the next step and the next step. So in having said that, what I want to touch on is the different phases 
that learned helplessness can happen. Now, before I spoke about learned helplessness in losing weight or starting a healthy eating habit or, you know, waking up or whatever it might be. What if somebody is trying to do a, um, submit an assignment? You're trying to submit an assignment and you've worked the whole week trying to research it, you know, just write a paper that actually is going to really make you proud and make you know you've done your hard work and you've done the hard work. And yet the result is you didn't do too well. You got a D, you got a C, you barely passed it. And that's what learned helplessness. It's that student who puts in an excessive amount of effort and time to just make sure that they get a good mark and they fail anyway. That leads to a sense of personal helplessness. And they believe that by working hard, they would have gotten a good grade, just like their classmates do. But there's an internal trait that leads them to believe in themselves that what's the point? I try anyway and I don't get anywhere. I mean, can anyone relate? I mean, I, I certainly can relate. I can really relate to that. That when I would work hard, that when I would put the effort in, especially in school, I would just like, I'd work harder than other people and yet my results didn't reflect that. And then I just started to believe, well, maybe there's someone cut out for school. Maybe just school is just, I don't know what the go is with school. Like I really don't understand the system of what they're trying to expect because I had learned that no matter how much effort I tried, I would just get the same result. Like I'd probably do a little bit better, but not much more than that. And that's, the, that's what I'm discussing. And that's really important to know. It's just a psychological mindset. And it's very important to understand about yourself because when you can understand what your limitations are, how you develop the ability to stop learning, the learn to, to stop learning and feel helpless, that's when you can trigger your impulses into knowing how to combat that, how to overcome that so that you're not going into that slump of learned helplessness. It's like it's a really important trait to turn a passion into a profession or to achieve any goal, even something as waking up on time, something as getting dressed and just getting out of the house. It's just something, at what point do you, do you realize that you're in the state, and it's just a state, called learned helplessness and how do you get yourself out of it? The first thing to do is to recognize and accept your learned awareness and to get to the root of it. So in other words, anytime you're feeling, I don't feel like it, I just, what's the point? This is so frustrating and why is it not working? Any of those kind of thoughts are the, like the red flags that you're in, you could be falling into being in a pattern of learned helplessness. So what you want to do is you want to go into just thinking about your childhood. What is the root of these feelings? Like what started this feeling? What's making me feel this way? And think about the behaviors throughout your life to see if you can identify a common denominator that has impacted your life today. So in other words, go back in time and just think in your child. And the best way to do that is just to journal. I know I spoke about that yesterday on the podcast, but I'm taking it seriously myself. I used to do it ad hoc, but I'm getting into the habit. I'm now starting to get into the habit of doing it every single day so that it, this helps me just get to the root of what's going on, like my thoughts, to just clarify my thoughts, to clarify what's going on. Now, if I were to think about learn helplessness for myself, uh, in terms of my studies at school, I would just say that there are people who had it at school, like who just got it. And there are people like me at school who took a bit of time to get, understand what was going on, like understand the concept of, 
what the science teacher was talking about, what the math teacher was like. There's some people just get it. And I was one of those people who had to take time. And sometimes the time that it took for me to understand it was not enough time. Like the classes in high school were 40 minutes. Every period was 40 minutes. Every class was 40 minutes. So in 40 minutes, if I didn't get the concept, then the bell rang, I had to move to the next class. And then there's a new lesson. And then that gives you homework. And then the previous class gave you homework. And then the next class gives you homework. So you've got all this pile of homework that you need to get done. But I didn't actually resolve my understanding of that, of that thing that I didn't understand in the first class of the day. So that just accumulated throughout the eight periods or six periods of the day, six classes in the day. So my learned helplessness, I believe, just thinking about it now, speaking to you about it, was the fact that I never got to just reflect on how do I understand this concept because I had to, the bell would ring and I'd go to the next thing. The bell would ring and I'd go to the next thing because that was expected of me. Now I wasn't allowed to be late. I had to be on time because the teacher had to go to the next class and I had to, do you know what I mean? That's where I would pick my learned helplessness started in school, in studying. That there wasn't enough time and then I, I would compare myself to others. That I would see others just picking it up and just running with the concept or whatever was being taught. And then doing really well in assignments and exams. And I was still trailing behind them. So I would see them and I'm like, wow. And I'd see myself going, what's wrong with me? And then I would still try, but I would think, geez, Louise, like, I can't even get to their level even when I'm just studying as hard as them. And so this comparisonitis. And it was my, my learning style was different. And I thought my learning style was like, not good enough because their learning style worked with the school system and mine did it. So that's where mine started off. And it's very good to know that about yourself so that as now as you're growing forward in life, in your journey, I should say, I know that I need to be aware of comparisonitis because it started at school, like people just getting something and I'm like, I don't get that. That uh, people would just not even need to study much and I would study more and then they would just still blitz it and I'd be like still lagging behind. And that's through comparisonitis, but I didn't recognize at the time and nobody could tell me that my learning style was different and the subjects that I excelled in, like languages, like history, uh, that, that required a different type of learning. But the emphasis of school was science and maths, that that's what's going to get you ahead in life. That, and I wasn't very good at that. And so the comparison that what matters in life, I'm not good at, that's in science, and that, um, that everyone else was, those who mattered were, and that no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't getting anywhere. But the subject that I was good at, languages and history, I just kind of left behind because well, what am I gonna do with languages? What am I gonna do with history? And also the end of year marks scaled you high if you were good in maths and science and not scaled you very low if you, then that's what the talk was in the hood. So I'm explaining that to you, I'm sharing that with you because I'm giving you my self-reflection, my self-awareness of how my behavior is today based on what, how it stemmed, how it formed. And that's very important to know for yourself to overcome your own feelings of thinking that you have no control, that you are feeling helpless and that you've learned to be helpless. Okay. The second way of identifying and overcoming learned helplessness is identifying your limiting beliefs, reframing them in a positive light. So what do you believe about? I believe that so everyone else is smarter than me. I believed that I, I bought in to the cell of that English and maths and science with a be all and be all, just it. Well, if you could be in good at English, math, and science, then you were going to make it in life. That, that's what was taught to us. 
And that's what I believed. And I know that's wrong. I absolutely know that's absolutely completely rubbish. But I believe that because the school curriculum taught that, my teachers taught that. And who was I to question the authority of the school curriculum, the Board of Education and the teachers? They knew better than me. Well, that's total BS because they did no jacket. They didn't know me for starters. They were just doing a job that they felt that they had to do and were being paid for. And it's not their fault, but it is the fault of the institution called school. But now as an adult, I know better. So my limiting beliefs was trusting someone that didn't know me and, and taking their opinion as gold. And so that's the belief. And so I'm reframing it as questioning everything that I believe in, like questioning someone else's opinion of me because someone else's opinion is based on their own conditioning and their own conditioning, they're victims of someone else. Okay, so not that I'm saying there's anyone's a victim here. I'm just saying they're at a consequence of someone else's conditioning. And so that's my limiting belief. So what's your limiting belief? And one of the ways, once again, to, to unpack what beliefs stop you is to journal. And what do you do when you journal? Like I used to think, what the hell am I going to write if I journal? You just write about what happened today. What were your thoughts on today? Just, and whatever comes out, you just start with today. I go today, I woke up, I went to work, whatever it is, just comes out. And then slowly your subconscious, your mind, your hand will start writing about the thoughts of the day. And then if you're still struggling to write about something, write about three things that you're grateful for. You just start somewhere because you just want to get to the core of what it is that's stopping you, like the self-reflection. And that self-reflection brings out more potential of you because now you do things differently. Okay, number three, self-talk to overcome learned helplessness. How do you talk to yourself? And sometimes I used to think, gee, it's pretty conceited. It's pretty egotistical for me to go, oh, you're fantastic, oh, you're a good reader, you're amazing. But in my tradition, actions are judged by intention. And the intention of myself talk to uplift myself, to break through any learned helplessness, and the intention is to do work that's of excellence, to be of excellence character. That's the intention, that's the goal, God willing. And all I'm trying to do is have that intention. If my intention is because I just want to talk myself up and build my ego, is not my intention. So I start, I have started. To start off with, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, in the name of God, most merciful, most mercy giving, so that I know that I'm protected in that, in protected in that's my intention, and that I go with, I go with the intention that I'm doing this to make a breakthrough in my work, in my character, and to add value. And I can't do that if I think I'm, I'm crap, think I'm dumb, if I think I'm stupid. That doesn't help anybody. Right? I believe that God put me on earth for a reason and I can't pursue that purpose and reason if I put myself down. And I don't put myself up to inflate ego. I put myself in a way where God can actually, where, the, where what has God has given me, I can actually deliver on. And that's what's important. So if you've got trouble self-talking, know that actions are judged by intentions and the intention is what follows through. It's like my friend once, she was learning how to use, this, to use how to play the saxophone. And her teacher said, okay, I want you to play me, you know, C sharp or whatever the, the note was. And she started to blow into the saxophone and within two seconds, he said to her, stop, 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 stop. And she goes, what? She goes, 
you missed the note for starters. You're not going to hit the note. But what was the intention before you actually started to play? Was your intention to play the note that I asked you to? Or was the intention to just go with gold and just, just blow out whatever note comes out? And he taught her that the, act, the intention that you have is the note that it will produce on the other end. And that is just poignant. That's just beautiful teaching because that's exactly what life is about. That actions are judged by intention. Yet this teacher was telling her how to, to make that note, that sound of that note, by first thinking of it in her head with, a, with the intention in her heart. That's just pure gold. And so that's why it can't be underestimated. Um, now, things like saying things like I failed again is like words like that. It's true. If you failed again, yes, you failed again. So follow it up with what can I do next time to improve? What am I willing to do? What, what am I willing to do what it takes? When have I been able to succeed at this? Like what evidence can I find that I am good at this? And getting yourself into a mode of inquiry rather than in mode of judgment is the goal here. Because I believe as women, especially as women, oh dear God, we judge ourselves so much. And men do too, but men less. Men have more of a, I got this attitude, which is innate with the level of testosterone that they have. It's just innate. It's just their DNA makeup. Whereas women have to work on that. And to work on that, we judge ourselves. So rather than judging yourself, because I know I've done that forever and I've stopped doing it when I catch myself, I build it into an inquiry. I build it into getting curious about my behavior. I get into being curious about, so what triggered that? Like what made me think of that? What could I have done better? And I do that and it's a conscious effort. It doesn't come naturally to me, but I do it when I, when I catch myself because that's going to help me not hinder me. Judgment makes me feel good because I deserve to be punished and I feel like that, like I deserve to be punished, how stupid, how st but I've stopped that that doesn't help me at all. It helps me in the moment to think that I, can, I should punish myself. But after that moment of 20 seconds, 30 seconds passes, I've got to now move on and it's hard to move on when I feel crap. So I'm not going to make myself feel crap, I'm going to get curious. And curiosity stems from asking questions. So what triggered that? How could I do it better? Like, what could I improve? Like, what am I good at? What evidence do I have? Like yesterday's episode was all about the belief and having four legs. Go listen to that if you haven't listened to it. It was really good about how to instill a belief in yourself. But this is what you would do instead of judging yourself and turning self-talk into one that actually improves you. Um, okay. So what I want to do now is talk about the other elements that you can do, the physical environment that you can change. So your environment has a huge impact. I interviewed a lady by the name of Marie Diamond and her interview is on this podcast. It's also on my YouTube channel if you want to see the real, like the visual of it. But I interviewed Marie and she's the lady from The Secret, the movie The Secret, you know, that did so well, The Law of Attraction. And what was just amazing, which I had no idea, the secret that became this huge hit phenomenal movie that everyone was talking about and to an extent still a lesser extent they still do but when it was out it was like on oprah it was on you know it was just like every major tv show and every network wanted to have a, a piece of the action of what the law of attraction was and when i interviewed mari and i interviewed her about two years ago from the movie the secret and she was she's the teacher on the secret that talks about feng shui 
you know, how to position your things in your room, in your environment to invite success, to invite abundance. And she shared with me on the interview, which was so interesting, that the, the secret is actually was about to flop. Rhonda Byrne, the executive producer of the movie, had no more money to go and market it. She had no money. And so she said, What's your, what does your office look like? What does your home look like? And Rhonda Byrne's like, well, what's this? What? She's like, if we change the environment that you're living in, there's something that you're doing that's stopping the abundance of this movie to get into the world. And so she worked with, and it goes in, I go, the interview goes into a more detail. And I'm just paraphrasing it. And so then Marie started talking about how she used feng shui, how she changed the environment that Rhonda Byrne, the executive producer of the movie, was living, like where she positioned her stuff, uh, what the paintings, what she changed the paintings, all this kind of stuff that adds at, at a subconscious level affects you. Like, you don't think it affects Jack, but at a subconscious level, it affects you. Like a picture of people turning away from you. It's at subconscious level, it means that people are turning away from you, opportunities. Like it's feng shui. Whether you believe it or not, it's good to know that your environment adds or subtracts to your success. And so to overcome learned helplessness, look at your environment. And if you want even more detail about what that even means or looks like, go check that out. Marie Diamond, Feng Shui, uh, uh, and how she talks about it. Now, there's, it's no, not a, Feng Shui is not a cult. It's not a religion. It's nothing. It's just how to design your room, how to place things in your room to uplift you, essentially. Because when your energy, when your mindset at a subconscious level, not your conscious level, your conscious mind right now is listening to me. Your subconscious mind is thinking and putting things together for you as you're driving, as you're cooking, as you're cleaning, as you're, as you're working, as you're speaking, as you're campaigning, whatever you're doing, your subconscious mind is constantly working in the background even when you're asleep. It's putting everything together, which is why journaling is very important because after you journal, the mind is still working, subconscious mind, and putting some facts together, some figures together, some insights together. And at a subconscious level, what you've got around your environment adds or subtracts, subtracts to you. And it's very important to know that that also adds to feeling like, you've, like you're helpless, like you've learned how to be helpless. So take a uh, listen of that interview or watch it on YouTube to get the insight because it goes on for the interview is an hour long. Okay. I think an hour, half an hour to an hour long. So take that on board and go look at how your environment impacts you. The other the great thing that I want to mention is our overlearned helplessness. If you're trying to overcome a habit of I'm not good enough, I'm not enough. And you're using some of the strategies that I've mentioned. If you take one small action every day, that does add up. And I started off this season or this month of the podcast by saying that I'm doing a podcast every day and I'm uploading a video every day. And I've got to say to you, by doing this action every single day, I'm learning about myself. I'm learning as much as I'm teaching. I'm also learning about my own self-improvement, self-awareness. Because doing something every single day gives you an insight into yourself that doing it once a week doesn't, that doing it five times a week doesn't, that doing it six times a week doesn't. It's the small things. I was listening to an interview with um, Michael Phelps, the most decorated swimmer or Olympian, 
in American history, or like he is a pretty successful Olympian. And one of the things that he said was when he's with his training, he trained every single day, seven days a week. When he finished the 2000 Olympics, when he finished up with that, he said some people took a month off, some of the Olympians took a month off, a month and a half off, but he went straight back into the pool and just started training again. Because he said that when you take one day off of swimming, it takes two days to get back to where you were before the time you took off. And he just wasn't willing to do that. Now, am I saying to burn yourself out? Absolutely not. Everybody knows. That's why self-awareness is so important to know at what point you're going to burn out to push, to stop pushing. And so what I'm saying is if you take action every single day and give yourself a month, two months, three months, that I'm going to do the X, I'm going to do Y, I'm going to do this every single day, you will learn more about yourself then you will over a 10 year period, you'll get an insight. And I'm speaking that from experience as I'm in the middle of my own personal challenge, which is doing a podcast and video every single day. I'm learning about what I don't want to do and what I do want to do. I'm learning about what is making me, what turns on my creative juices, what has me, what interests me, what stops me, what's my learned help. If I, I'm just trying to put the pain because I'm learning that stuff, not consciously, because there are days when I don't want to do it and to push past, I don't want to do it. I've got to get curious and not judge myself. Like I'm saying, why don't I feel like doing it? Like what's stopping me? Like what's the core of this? Why am I feeling like this is getting me nowhere? Like all those questions that I ask myself, which is what gets me to overcome it and then produce the podcast and produce the video. But I've got to overcome that hurdle and I will only overcome it if I'm doing it every single day, because it's a demand of me every single day. Um, the next one, celebrate small wins and important milestones. Yesterday I had a really, I think it's a small win, but it was a big win because it took me four, five weeks to get it. It was a personal thing where, um, the, the, look, it's a long story. I could probably take up a whole episode, but there, it was a small win in the great, great big scheme of life. But, for my day, it was such a big win that I immediately picked up the phone and I called my sister. I'm like, oh my God, you're never going to believe this, blah, 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 blah. And that was me celebrating a win. Just calling up my sister and going, guess what? Blah, 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 blah. And that's what you want to do. You want to celebrate a win. Another way I celebrated a win is that I went to the gym. I, I really love going to the gym because I've gone past the, oh, I can't be bothered face. There are days when I still feel like I can't be bothered. But the the endorphins that I get after I finish working out, it's just like, thank God I went. Like I literally go out, come out of it going, thank God I went. Because if I hadn't gone, I would have felt like, you know, like, like a slob. I would have felt like a slob, me personally. But I overcame that. Oh, should I go today? Anyway, as I do. So that's small win. So what would you do to celebrate a small win? Making a phone call, celebrating what your body can do by going to the gym. There was a wonderful quote that I read, going to the gym or working out, you don't have to go to the gym, just working out is a celebration of what your body can do, not a punishment of what you ate. Isn't that just huge? But working out is a celebration of what your body can do, not a punishment of what you ate. Like, dear God, what a gift. What a gift to just celebrate your body, to know that it can jump, it can walk, it can sit, it can... It can go on the treadmill, it can ride a bike, it can do an exercise class. I mean, you can lift some weights. Like, that's a gift. And what a gift to be 
in the moment and realizing that gift. You know what I mean? Like that's the small win. So what is it for you that you can celebrate small wins? Taking time out to read a book, uh, walking in the rain. I mean, I love walking in the rain, I love the smell of rain. What is it for you? And that's really important to know, not to motivate you, but to overcome learned helplessness, right? And then lastly, implement and learn about self-care. Uh, self-care, I think, I believe self-care is non-negotiable. I really believe, I think we've gone past the, I mean, I know so many people who exhaustion is, is a badge of honour. And I used to think that too. Oh, I think that as well, I should say. I'd work myself to the bone because I've just worked hard and I've worked hard. And at the end of the day, what do I have to show for it? Okay, you worked hard and what did you gain? You gained, I gained a messy house. I gained a messy mind. I gained a messy, cluttered working space. I gained, gained absolute exhaustion. I missed out on some, something. I missed out on reading, which I love doing. I tired myself. You know what I mean? So I've stopped seeing exhaustion as a badge of honour. And not that I'm working and I'm working, you know... <laughs> <laughs> try to keep it balanced, whatever balanced means. It doesn't mean that my house isn't messy. It doesn't mean my, um, my you know, space that I'm working in isn't cluttered. It doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean is I'm putting it into perspective. Like I'm really putting things into perspective and just thinking from a space of, and, and it's a learning curve, thinking from the space of what matters to me versus what matters to my ego, like what matters to my soul versus what matters to my ego. And that's a huge perspective change. My ego wanted me to work so hard that I could outwork anyone because that was my badge of honor. And when I realized that wasn't getting me anywhere except exhausted and frustrated, let's be real. And I know on, there's many people that say work, 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 work. Yes, working hard, I'm not underestimating that. I'm saying there's a point where self-awareness pulls up on the driveway and you've got to know at what point are you going to break? At what point are you going to prevent the breakage so that you don't break and that you still live life and not challenge yourself with a sort of, I mean, I've worked so hard. I've got laryngitis. I worked so hard. I uh, was out of speaking tour, workshop tour, and my voice stopped working. Like my voice was, I was talking like this and I, that was just, that was just, that was the problem with my voice. And I'm not exaggerating. I was in Singapore. I was running a workshop. And in the middle of that workshop, my voice just dropped. And I had this huge sore throat. And I couldn't even, I couldn't sleep. My head was throbbing. And I went to a doctor. And the doctor in Singapore said to me, you got laryngitis. You better stop talking. And I'm like, but I'm on a workshop tour. I can't stop talking. I guess that's like, she goes, well, either that or you're not going to be able to speak at all. So just stop talking. <laughs> Can you imagine that, right? So I've worked at that and I just thought, not again, not again. That's just, just so stupid. That's not worth it. Not happening. I mean, also the fact that I was in Singapore and it was extremely hot outside and I would walk into my room uh, where I was staying and the air conditioning was blood, like, it was like, so high because it was so hot outside and that hot and cold hot and cold hot and cold obviously added to not feeling well but um at the end of the day i know like i just pushed it i just pushed it so self-care is extremely important and knowing where to undergo um and then that's that's it guys that's it those are the steps that you want to take to overcome learned 
helplessness, to learn at what point do you stop caring? At what point do you stop putting in effort? Because if you can work that out for yourself and then when you can push past that point, you just overcome it. And it happens at every, you know what I'm like, and you knowing yourself, you'll know when it happens for your, in your health. You'll know when it happens for your children. You'll know when it happens when you're with your spouse. You'll know when it happens for your work. You'll know when it happens for um, speaking to a customer service rep. You just go, you know, stop it. You know, you will know your impulses. You will know your triggers. And that's a superpower. That's a superpower. How do people really know themselves? Hardly. Because when you know yourself, now you know when to turn the switch on. And you know how to turn your switch on. And you know how to turn a switch off that's not serving you. That's a superpower. Because nobody can give you that. Nobody can teach you that. Only you can know that through the process that I've spoken about. And that's self-awareness. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I hope this has been of value to you. If it has, please let me know by subscribing, by writing a review. Let me know and by sharing this episode from someone that you know needs to overcome this feeling of it's just not working out. And I don't know why. And I just need help and I'm stuck in a rut. This episode would really help them. So please pay it forward and pass it on to someone that you know would really benefit from this. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my advice to myself and to you that life is a gift and together with overcoming our limitations, let's unbox it. Thank you so much. I love you. I just feel like saying that. And God bless.